text for the sermon this morning comes from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 5:22 through 24. Hear God's word as we find it in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is a savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Last Sunday, we started considering the roles of husband and wife as they are discussed in Ephesians 5. We saw the duty of husband and wife to have mutual or joint submission to one another, as Paul said in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. It's important for us to distinguish between two types of submission here in this passage. The submission that a husband owes to his wife is a submission of service. A husband must submit himself in service of the wife, having a love for her that seeks her good above his own, seeking peace with her both proactively and reactively, and having a care for her spiritual and physical good. This submission Of service means the husband, although he is the head, will submit himself to the needs of his wife. He will submit himself to to the needs of the body. And every single Christian owes this type of service to one another. All are to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. There is a special type of submission that wives owe to their husbands, children owe to their parents, and Workers owe to their bosses. And this type of submission is submission of respect. This follows the structure of Ephesians. Paul starts off with a general duty of submission to everyone, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Then he moves on to consider what submission of respect looks like in the various relationships of this life. He starts with that submission of respect between husbands and wives, specifically the duty that wives have to submit in respect to their husbands. Then he moves on to parents and children, and last, bond servants and masters. And as we will see, wives are to submit themselves to their husbands following the example of the church's submission to Christ. Now, much of this sermon is going to be directed toward women and wives, But I want to encourage all of us, especially as we plan to come to the Lord's Supper next week, to consider our own submission to Christ. As we look at the word of Christ, as we see what he has commanded us, we must be asking ourselves, have we submitted to everything he has said? Paul calls each of us to self-examination prior to coming to the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians 11. And as you engage in this self-examination this week, be asking yourself, have I submitted to Christ in everything? Are there areas where I need to grow in submission to Christ? Are there areas that I need to grow in serving Christ? 
where we do not find submission. We must cry out to God in, in faith and repentance, knowing that Christ submitted himself to the will of the Father so that he could save us from our sins. And it's that salvation that drives and encourages us to greater submission to Christ. And wise, I specifically want to encourage you to be asking yourselves, am I submitting to Christ in a way that I submit and show submission to my husband? This, after all, is one of your primary callings in your marriage relationship. It is to show submission to your husbands. Paul says, wives, submit yourselves, sorry, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. But what does that mean? Well, submission is a beautiful picture, a part of Christ's redemptive work and the church's responsibility to him. Looking at Scripture, we could define submission in the marriage relationship as a, wife's, as a wife having respect for her own husband in thought, word, and action out of an understanding of his God-given role of authority. We could define submission in the marriage relationship as a wife having respect for her own husband in thought, word, and action out of an understanding of his God-given role of authority. And this definition emphasizes that that key, uh, key aspect of submission is this idea of respect. Paul in, in Ephesians 5.33 summarizes everything he's just said on marriage with those words. He says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He summarizes this idea of submission with this idea of respect. Wives are to have this submission of respect for their husbands. And I want to remind you that biblical submission in the marriage relationship is submission to an equal. Eve was formed from the rib of Adam to demonstrate that she was side by side with him. She was, take, she was not taken from his foot so that he might trample upon her, nor was she she taken from his head that she might rule over him. Instead, she was taken from his side as a declaration that she was his equal, that her role as the woman, as the wife, is one of submission. She, in submission to her husband, is submitting to her equal. And we see that from Ephesians 5, that the submission is to be very specifically directed to one's husband. Paul makes this clear by saying, wives, submit to your own husbands. Sometimes men can act like they have authority over all women, women, but that's not the case here. The woman's calling is specifically to her own husband. It also means that the wife isn't necessarily interested in another man's thoughts or opinions, but she is to be interested in her husband's thoughts and what he has said. But we also notice that submission is not something optional here in Ephesians. It is certainly a voluntary submission in the sense that it is something that the wife gives to her husband. But it's not optional for the wife's Christian service to God. Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. 
Submission the wife grants to her husband comes from service to God. Just as all Christians are to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, so wives are to submit as to the Lord. Further, we read in verse 24, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. If you, as a wife, seek to truly honor and serve Christ, a key part of your particular service to Christ is in submitting to your husbands. This hammers home for us the seriousness of, of what Paul is discussing here. Submission is service to Christ. It is, it is part of living the Christian and, and God-glorifying life. And this also means that we need to be very careful in how we define and understand and live out submission. This is directly related to our service and honor of our Savior. Now, many cry out against submission in modern society. There are theologians and commentators who will argue that what Paul is saying here is, is merely cultural. This applied to back then. It applied to the first, first century or they will engage in eisegetical gymnastics to get around the force of Paul's words. They'll explain, they'll attempt to explain away what Paul is saying here. We have feminism telling us that women need to step out from under, under men and that they need to be leaders in the home, in society, in every aspect. Feminism has made submission a bad word that only ever coincides with oppression. Where you see submission, well, that's where you'll see oppression. Yet, biblical submission is a very beautiful thing. Submission, as Scripture speaks of it, has nothing to do with abusive, oppressive men. In fact, the right application of Scripture will encourage abused wives to seek safety from their abusive husbands. Abusive and oppressive marriages are as far removed from a biblical expression of submission even as, as radical feminism is removed from that. Yes, oppression might come with a nice spiritual outlook at times, but it really has nothing to do with this biblical idea of submission that we find in our text. Instead, it's a, a gross perversion of that. Because submission is something truly beautiful. For one, submission follows the example of Christ. We pointed this out last week. Christ, well, we're told of Christ's work in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. Christ submitted himself to God the Father in fulfilling the covenant of redemption. Christ is equal to the Father in all things, yet for the sake of the redemption of the church, the work that was set before him, he submitted himself to his Father's will. In Philippians 2, 5-8, through we read, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
Christ submitted himself, as we're told in the gospel accounts, to the will of his Father. He took on the form of a servant so that he might purchase redemption. And when you as wives submit to your husbands, you have opportunity to image a most necessary aspect of Christ's redemptive work. You have opportunity to show forth his submission to the Father. But you also have opportunity to reflect the relationship between the church and Jesus Christ. And Paul highlights this in our text in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In other words, wives are to reflect the attitude of reverence and respect the church has towards her Savior's authority. The church submits to the rule, authority, and, and leadership of her Savior, Jesus Christ. And similarly, wives are to submit themselves to their husbands. And in doing so, they have opportunity to show forth another aspect of the gospel. That just as the husband lays down his life for his bride, so the wife lays down her life for her husband in submission. She seeks her husband's good. She respects and, and loves her husband. She, she follows his authority. She has a submission of respect for her husband. Paul tells us this is to be a submission in everything. The church is subject to everything that Christ has commanded So wives are to submit to their own husbands in everything. Often that passage is read and quickly caveats are provided for it. And these are certainly necessary caveats. But I want you to feel the weight of this passage. There's no escaping Paul's all-encompassing statement here. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This means that if you do not like something your husband has asked you to do, you are still bound to submit to him. Submission is not optional based upon feelings or emotional state. It is a requirement for your obedience to Christ. I certainly understand that this is a tall order and very countercultural. But know that in submission, there is exaltation with it. Christ humbled himself to the point of a servant and was highly exalted because of that. That's what Paul tells us after, uh, after what we just read in, in Philippians 2, verse 6 through 8. It goes on, Paul goes on to talk about the exaltation of Christ. And similarly, in the wife submitting to her husband, she is being exalted as well. We have already noted in past sermons that the women, that the woman is the glory of the creation. She is the pinnacle of creation. She was made from man. She is not made from the dust, but she was made from the rib of man. And thus she is the glory of man, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. Paul says her man is the image of God and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. And this is not a slight towards women to be the glory of men. 
Instead, Paul is elevating her above the man. The man is the crown of creation. The woman is the jewel in that crown. And she is a jewel precisely because of her role of submission. In her submission, she most beautifully shows forth the glory of God. She shows forth the glory of what it is to be created in the image of God. To be an image bearer of God means to be in submission to divine rule and authority. For every single person has to submit to God. But women have opportunity in the marriage relationship to have a heightened sense of this submission. For a wife to submit to her husband is for her to show forth aspects of Christ's work of redemption, of the church's calling to her Savior, and to show forth beautifully of what it means to be created in the image of God. This is far more rewarding and glorious calling than to pursue the feminist stream of successful careers in the world and free sexual relationships. So much of what is promoted today as a good life for a woman rings hollow, and that is because it has departed from what God has created women for. God created the woman for the calling of being the wife and helper to her husband. And when that is abandoned, we find women more and more anxious and worried, self-medicating, trying to find companionship and, and meaning in anything and anyone. But true joy and happiness is found in serving Christ and being faithful to your calling in the marriage relationship. Well, let's uh, switch to consider how this mission practically works itself out. To start with, we must see that submission is a loving and peaceful disp- disposition. To be rightly submissive starts with the thoughts and intentions of a heart. It starts with that respect being cultivated in the heart. Submission is an attitude of respect for your husband. It is that attitude that we have for Jesus Christ that, yes, we want to obey him. We love him so much that we want to live every aspect of our lives in conformity to his word. We want to give him the respect that he is worthy to receive. So we see that submission flows from love. It flows out of obedience to the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And the submission we give to Christ is characterized as that of gentleness and a quietness of spirit toward him and his word. After all, when we come to God's word, we come with respect and reverence. We come ready to hear what his word says. Ready to place our lives in conformity to it. Similarly, wives ought to have that same quietness to their husbands. Now, even though our text says that just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, that does not mean that husbands have the same authority as Christ. So the authority he has is a delegated authority from Christ the King. The husband is answerable to God for how he has used his authority. Further, the authority of the husband is to be a picture of the authority of Christ. 
There's not a a one-to-one correlation here. It's a picture of it. The relationship between Christ and the church is to be an analogy of the relationship that there is between husband and wife. But returning to that idea of a gentle and quiet spirit, we see this language from 1 Peter 3, verse 4, where Peter says that the wife is to have the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. This does not mean that she is a wallflower that simply looks pretty and only ever says yes to her husband. Instead, Peter is emphasizing the, the disposition of her heart in this passage. Notice that he is, he is not addressing the outward actions of speech or conduct. He is speaking about a peaceable and gentle, a gentle and quiet spirit. This is a, a spirit at peace. A heart that is content, not anxious, not worried, not ready to go to war against her husband, not puffed up in pride thinking she is better than her husband. Instead, it is an attitude that the needs of her husband come before her own needs. It's a spirit that recognizes her husband's role of authority and wants to follow that. There is gentleness and quietness in the spirit of submission. After all, the opposite of submission is contention. And Proverbs 21, verse 9 says, Better to dwell in the, ho- in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. The submissive wife is gentle. Now, submission in thought does not mean that she cannot express her own opinion on issues in marriage or even have different ideas or beliefs from her husband. If that were the case, Paul would say in this passage that wives need to be in conformity and in exact agreement with their husbands. But instead, Paul says she is called to submission. Submission implies that, yes, there will be times of disagreement. There will be differences of thought and and perspective on issues, but ultimately the wife is going to submit to her husband's perspective. She respects her husband, and when she has various ideas that are different from him, she will bring them up to him. She'll do so in a gentle manner, not harshly, not seeking to win an argument, but out of love and respect for her husband. Chad Van Dixhorn very helpfully states this regarding the disposition of the wife to her husband. He says, So each wife is to know her own husband, to learn his preferences, his joys, his weaknesses, to be willing to listen and support him, to celebrate his strengths and be gracious about his failings. She is to be radically committed to respecting her husband and following his lead. This tells us that the the concept of submission means that your orientation in glorifying God is directed towards your husband. You are orientated to helping and serving your husband. And so submission is not just respect, but it is a a helping of the husband in fulfilling his calling. This, after all, is why God created the woman. He created her because he saw that man could not fulfill this task that God had called him to alone. He needed a helper. He needed a help meet for him, a helper comparable to him, not his exact replica. If it had been his exact replica, God could have just formed another man out of the dust of the ground. But God created someone distinct and different from him because that is what man needed. 
to fulfill his calling to glorify God. There's true joy in that. Oftentimes it seems that, uh, sadly, that women are so often trying to be exactly like men in today's society and culture, not uh, appreciating and delighting in how God has created and fashioned them differently. God created men and women differently, and that's part of his beautiful creation, and this needs to be appreciated and, and uh, valued. Many women worry that God's calling for submission in the marriage relationship is, is also really a calling that, as one author said, uh, unexciting, unfamil- unfulfilling, demeaning, and generally dull. Yet in submission, God is calling women to diligent and and creative work. Women in being called to submit to their husbands or being called to help men subdue the world and fill it. And this brings us full circle back to what we've already considered in Genesis of man's calling and and women's calling. Wives in submission are to share in that calling that men have because men cannot do it on their own. It's sad that this is so often not the perspective today. Today, so often husbands have, have their calling and wives have their calling. There's no connection at all between these two callings, and we don't think in terms of, of there being a connection between these two, two callings. Husband goes out and, and works his, his nine-to-five job, and the wife stays home or, or goes to her job and fulfills her calling there. No connection between what husband and wife do. That's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is is that of the wife helping her husband, fulfilling his call in the world, having an intimate awareness to an appropriate degree of of what her husband is going through and, and seeking to do in this world. The calling God has given men is not something they can do on their own, nor can women do their calling on their own. They need the help and support of each other. And this means that you as wives in loving submission to your husbands are to take upon yourself the the various aspects of what your husband does and to seek to help him with that. This means that your primary orientation isn't on, on your individual success or your career. Instead, it means your orientation is on your husband's success. It also means that you get to share in the excitement of your husband's calling. You, have, you are one flesh with your husband, and, and you get to rejoice in, in what he does. And this, after all, is modeled upon what the church does. The church, in following Christ and submitting to Christ, takes upon herself the mission of Christ. The church seeks to to follow the Great Commission, winning others to Christ, discipling them, baptizing them. And similarly, wives are are to take upon themselves the, the mission of their husbands. God created the woman to be a helper to her husband, to follow her husband's leadership and position in created order. This is who you are meant to be physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And this is a calling that you can truly rejoice in. This is part of, of the beauty of God's created world. 
For in it, we we see God's perfect wisdom in creating the woman to be someone distinct from the man, to be a true helper to him. This is part of the beauty of the created world. We often go to the mountains or or to the ocean to to see the beauty of, of God's creation. But even in our own marriages, there's this, this beauty and this order and this symmetry with what God has intended. And we see, too, that, the, that this idea of submission is actually a very intimate idea. It's something that's figured out between husband and wife. The exact particulars of how it is worked out will be different in each marriage and each different stage in marriage. How a, hus- uh, sorry, how a wife can help her husband and submit to him will depend a lot on the circumstances of, not- of life and the needs that are present in the marriage relationship. But we also find that there are some basic principles that Scripture gives us regarding what this looks like. Scripture tells us that the orientation of the wife in submission is to be on the home. She is to be a homemaker. So he says that the young women are to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And we saw this in the passage that we read from Proverbs 31 earlier. Here the, the, the wife is orientated on her home. What she is doing is for the good of her home. Yes, she is engaged in all sorts of different ventures and opportunities. She's going out and, and, and purchasing fields and uh, engaging in a lot of different work, but it all comes back to the household and, and the good of the household. Proverbs 31 gives us the picture of the virtuous woman being a homemaker. Now, you could certainly think that having an orientation on the home is is boring and dull, and that's uh, what are so often told in the world. And you might even legitimately gripe about the vanity of it, the the dullness, in a sense, that there is. You you make the bed every single day. You do the laundry every, every single week. You do the dishes at least three times a day and repeat for months and years and, and even decades. And you might very well complain with Solomon in Ecclesiastes, as many of us also would, all things are full of labor, and ask that question, what profit has a man from all his labor? It just repeats over and over and over again, and we don't seem to get anywhere. It can be especially so in the households. Yeah, if that's your perspective, understand that this is a common lot for all of us in this fallen world. You might think your husband gets to go out and, and do more glamorous things in the world, more, more meaningful things. Yet much the same as you, if he's being honest with himself, he is rele- relegated to that same vanity. Now, what you're doing is, is, is not nece- unnecessary or meaningless, Certainly, that, that homemaking is a help to the fulfilling of your husband's calling. If the house were to fall apart, your husband would have to devote more time to caring for aspects of the house, taking uh, time away from his other calling. But you need to understand that the thing that redeems 
from this vanity is by recognizing that what we do, whether it's our, our labor as a wife in the home, being a helper to our husband, or our job outside in the world, what redeems from that vanity is that we do it to the glory of God. We have that recognition if we have that recognition, suddenly everything we do, whether it's the most repetitive and mundane task or the most interesting task we could possibly think of, suddenly it takes on a new life. And this is what Paul's getting at when he encourages wives to submit to their husbands in the Lord. He's focusing them on their worship of God, on how, how they in this submission no matter what it looks like, can give glory to God, whether it's the most mundane thing of, of folding the socks for the umpteen time, or whether it's caring for children and all their needs. Doing this for the glory of God and the praise of His name, you're having opportunity in your daily life to worship and serve your Creator. And this is a continual refrain in Scripture. Why submit out of His desire to glorify God? In Colossians 3.18, we read, so, uh, Paul say, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. He's emphasizing that aspect of glorifying God. And in 1 Peter 3, verse 4, Paul, Peter encourages that gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And Titus 2, verse 5 says that the word, after calling women to be homemakers, says that the word of God may not be blasphemed. The calling of the wife, her orientation on helping her husband, is to the praise and glory of God. And thus, Solomon says, sorry, not Solomon, but uh, the words of, of King Lemuel's mother says that the virtuous woman is, uh, that this, this, this submissive woman who's a help to her husband is indeed a virtuous woman. And she is, above all, to be praised for her labors. Know too that there is great freedom to be found for you in submitting to your husbands. Often we don't pair uh, submission and freedom together. We often think of these as, as two very distinct ideas. Yet let me ask you the question where do you find greater freedom? Do you find greater freedom in submitting to Christ or in disobeying Christ? Freedom is a misunderstood idea. We, we think of, of freedom for freedom's sake as good. No limits. Nothing whatsoever. And, and that's what uh, we, we sinfully think, think of. Yet, when we think freedom is good, we are often thinking of freedom with particular limits. If everybody was free to do absolutely every, anything, this world would fall in immediate chaos. Now, we see this with traffic laws. If everybody was free to, to do whatever they wanted on the roads, uh, we would, our freedom would very quickly be hampered. As much as, as we might find traffic laws a nuisance at times, these laws and regulations actually help our freedom. If everybody could get on the road and drive wherever they wanted, the number of collisions would quickly escalate and freedom to go about and our freedom to go out and about would, would be greatly hampered. But if the rules of the road are followed, there's uh, ease and success in getting around. We submit to 
those rules and freedom follows. It's the same thing in marriage. When we follow God's word regarding what it says uh, pertaining to the roles of husband and wife, it opens up much freedom. This freedom is found in, in your husband being the manager. In and First Timothy 3, 4, we read that the godly man is to be one who rules his own house well. That word rule has the idea of managing. Husband is to be the manager of the household. And a good manager will, will know and understand his employees' various gifts and abilities. A good manager is not going to make his employee who is horrible at math the accountant. Nor is he going to prevent his employee who is excellent at math and loves it a janitor. Instead, he's going to use the unique uh, giftings of his employee. A husband who manages well will seek to know his wife's giftedness and put that giftedness to use. He will seek to cultivate areas that she is good at and encourage her in the exercise those talents. And husbands, you as leader need to work at figuring out what your wife's gifts and talents are. and Help them employ them and help implement them. This way, marriage is to be a developing of each other. The cultivating of gifts in each other. In other words, we see that in the submission of the wife does not mean the stifling of the wife's personality or gifts. She does not become the, the silent slave under her husband whose, whose mind is her husband's, who can think nothing original or new. That certainly is not the, the picture of the marriage relationship as we find it in Scripture. Instead, there's freedom and, and creativity and growth and development in biblical marriage. Being submissive certainly means following your husband's leadership. The other aspect of it is that you are seeking to help your husband's leadership. Here, you have opportunity. I have a wife to explore much, uh, many things creative, creatively. Be thinking about how, how can, here, here's my husband's calling. How can I truly be a help and not a hindrance to him with us? How can I Pursue what would cultivate and nourish and support him. Instead of thinking, well, the only thing I have to do today is take care of the children, do household chores and cook meals. Think, how can I have a greater impact on the kingdom of God in doing and being submissive and being a help for my husband? It might mean... Uh, uh, managing the house in, in a certain way, uh, managing it, uh, uh, finding ways to make it more efficient. It might mean uh, learning new skills so that you can be a greater encouragement to your husband. It, it, it could mean a whole host of, of different things. And everything you do, being submissive, means You're helping your husband fulfill his calling, and you're bearing immeasurable fruit in doing it. A husband works often for money. He's got his job, and he puts this number of hours in, and he he, he gets uh, um, um, reward for his labor by uh, money being put in the bank account. And, and that, that's it. But, but the wife has opportunity to, to change that money into something glorious, 
uh, a beautiful home-cooked meal, uh, 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 new clothing for, for the family. The wife has opportunity to take that money and, and do creative things with it that help and, and cause a flourishing of the household and the family. So mission is ultimately a call to diligent and creative work. It is a call to help your husband fulfill his calling, and so for both of you to glorify and praise God. Oh, in conclusion, wives are to submit themselves to their husbands in love and obedience to God. They're to follow the example of the church who has been purchased and loved by Christ and who submits with joy and respect to our Savior. May we ever, all of us, ever grow in, in submitting to our Savior, recognizing what he has done for us, recognizing that he, is, he has humbled himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, that he might purchase us from our bondage to sin. May we ever praise his name. Let's close with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you. Lord, and we thank you for the beautiful picture that marriage is, a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church, a picture of Christ laying down his, his life in love for his bride, and the wife in love submitting to her husband, seeking to honor and respect him. Father, we pray that we would grow in knowing how we might submit to Christ. Not just knowing, but actually submitting to Him. Lord, we pray that You would ever prosper our marriages, that we might show forth the glory truly of what it is to be a man and a woman, one flesh. Father, we pray that You would strengthen the marriages in this church, that Your name might be glorified. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to Psalm 